Hello, everyone. Welcome to Peer-to-Peer Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Willie Morales. On today's show, I got Nate Jones. Nate is the co-founder and head of innovation of Structurally, a conversational artificial intelligence that responds to, qualifies, and nurtures your online leads. Under his leadership, Structurally experienced a 10x growth in conversations process in real estate industry and built a proprietary conversational AI application that 99.9% of consumers believed was human. I'm pretty sure I would have been one of those too. Nate, thank you so much for being on Pay-to-Pay Real Estate Show. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me on, William. Looking forward to it. I'm doing good. Yeah, no, listen, I, I uh, when this opportunity came, I definitely want to learn more about algorithms, AI, and all that. So definitely you're the guy. So Nate, early on, did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Was this something that you wanted to do uh, or just fell into your lap uh, as you got older? Yeah. Um, so kind of the founding story quick of Structurally was myself and my co-founder, Andrew, um, in college. So I've known Andrew since third grade. So we've kind of been friends ever since. We knew we wanted to start something. We didn't know what. In college, we decided we wanted to try our hand at real estate investing, which Mm -hmm. makes no sense because we had no money. So that quickly failed. But we ended up building a lot of relationships with real estate agents, lenders, people from the space, kind of the general property space, I guess, if you will. Right. And kind of picked their brain here and there and constantly kept hearing, you know, hey, if you're going to do something, I really don't like following up with my leads. You could solve that. Uh, so we did with um, artificial intelligence, conversational AI. Our kind of idea there was, you know, call centers have been around for the last 20, 25 plus years. That's a tiring job. It's kind of a mundane, exhausting, high turnover, high burnout job. And we said, can we solve this with AI? We thought at the time AI had advanced enough to do so. Mm -hmm. And we found some really smart technologists from uh, our respective schools who were PhDs in math, stats, computer science. And we set out to build uh, a, a conversational AI to qualify leads, basically. That, that's amazing. So early on, once you knew you wanted to do this, did you get the support that you needed or any pushback saying, hey, you should just get a nine to five? How was that? How was your support early on when you decided that you wanted to do this? Yeah, I think there's an old uh, kind of saying that your parents will never understand what you do as an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there was a little bit of pushback, especially right after I graduated school, uh, mm-hmm. after going for four years and said, hey, I'm purposefully not going to look for a job. That was a weird conversation to have. But uh, the way I always like to say it is structurally going from college, I was already eating ramen noodles. To starting a business, you're just going to go eat ramen noodles again. So it was an easy transition. I thought it was a decent time to try my hand at a company. I didn't have a family. I had no one to depend on me. It was just me and Andrew. So little pushback, not a lot of pushback. But then we got a really great amount of support from some local entrepreneurs in Iowa, which is where we're from. Okay. Uh, and they've been with us kind of ever since and still are. You know, I wanted to ask you, like, how did you get into this space? What was it about the AI field, machine learning? What was it about that technology, if if you could call it that? Uh, tell me if I'm wrong. But what was it about that space that drew you in? Instead of, let's say, being real estate investors and going to meetups and all that stuff. What yeah. was it? What, what drew you in? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I've never been asked before, but I think about a lot. Um, I think 
kind of uh, in hindsight, one thing that I really like about software is it's infinitely scalable. I like real estate obviously a lot, but to manage a portfolio of real estate or buy and sell real estate or even be a realtor or lender or anything related is very involved, I guess I'll say. You have to be emotionally involved with your client who need a lot of emotional support. They have a ton of issues. Uh, you know, you're managing property, uh, a door breaks, you got to go fix the door. It just like, it, it's a very involved thing. Like that is your job to be in real estate. Yeah. Full-time is a full-time plus job. Not to say that's not the, the case for software, but it's like, you know, when, when something breaks in software, you still have to fix it, but you can fix it from the convenience of your home by typing on the right keys type of thing. So I think that that seems a lot more enjoyable, scalable, and I think partially like why we got into it, why I was interested is kind of twofold is like I mentioned earlier, like call centers have been there, done that, been around forever. Yeah. And like, it's a mundane job. I think the, the world of AI, although it sounds scary and people always say, oh, it's here to replace us. It's here to replace us. It's not, it's here <laughs> to take, it's here to take the mundane tasks off your plate that you don't like doing. Like calling a hundred leads and getting told no 99 times and a lot more explicit, explicit words than that. Um, take <laughs> True. And the AI handles that. And I think that was a huge like goal of mine. And then the second is like software itself, um, like applications, you know, like CRMs, dashboards, whatever, email. It's kind of been like developed in a really structured way. Like, you know, you have a button to click to send a message or log in and log out. Right. But what hasn't been developed yet is like a framework, a common framework for building an application around a conversation. Like how do you structure a conversation in a, in a software sense? And I think that was a really fun and interesting challenge to say like, how can we map out a potential conversation? How can we think through everything that someone might say at any point in a conversation? I think that was a really fun challenge to think through too. Still is. So before we go, move on to the next topic, um, so when you talk about conversation, so you're talking about between a buyer and a seller, um, because as an investor, you know, I got to read a script and all that. And sometimes I might miss something or, you know, you get excited that you might have a deal and then you blow it because you missed the line. Um, mm -hmm. Can you explain that more about conversations, let's say, between an investor and a, and a seller or a buyer and a seller? Um, can you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So in our context, it's between a consumer and our AI, which we generally okay. call is like an AI assistant. Okay. A lot of our customers give it a name, give it a persona and really treat it like a person on their team who is yeah. like an inside sales agent or just an assistant generally. And it's having a conversation with buyers, sellers, investors, people who don't even know they want to sell or buy yet, renters. Uh, people looking for a loan, literally everything and anything in between. We're having conversations. Yeah. Um, our conversations, while we have like a big library of pre-built scripts, kind of like you mentioned, um, that you can use out of the box, you can also tweak them to your liking or write them entirely from scratch. Okay. So if you wanted to ask some really specific questions in a really specific way, maybe you use the word like y'all, for example, whereas we don't. <laughs> You can customize <laughs> that level of granularity in our scripts okay. uh, and ask and answer very specific questions in very certain ways through a product like ours. Or you can use our default pre-built ones too. 
Right. So, you know, like one of the main things um, when I talk to seller and we talk about creative financing, where we buying, uh, you know, for sale by owner and we talking terms, mm -hmm. uh, most cases, if not all, uh, the seller's not going to know what that is. So yeah. we have to, as an example, dumb it down and say maybe, hey, if we send you uh, the pros and cons of selling to us through monthly payments. Is that something you guys can uh, work with with investors that say, hey, I'm a creative guy. I don't use banks. I'd rather deal with the owner or yeah. slash, slash seller. Yeah. So this kind of comes back to my original point of things that I like love to think about. And <laughs> that is uh, think about like a, a FAQ, frequently asked questions. Yes. Yes. That's a super common thing on like every website everywhere. But same, same type of thing goes to what you were just saying. There are frequently asked questions that your perspective for sale by owner leads will ask you as a person on the phone or whoever, your yeah. assistant, like, what does creative financing mean? What does that actually mean? Right. That's an FAQ. In our product, we developed something that we call custom answers, but you can actually think of them like conversational FAQs. Right. Where, where we have over about 200 of these common questions that you can actually customize the answers to. So one of our frequently asked questions would be like, you know, what does financing mean? Um, right. What is, I think we have something like that. So you could write in a reply that our AI would use in that case to say, you know, here's what'll happen if we want to buy your house. That would be unique to you and your business and to your use case. Maybe you have a bunch of different types of leads that might want that question answered different ways. That can be set up in a product like ours. So it really becomes like tailored conversational FAQs. Wow, that's amazing. So um, if you could, so is that part of the uh, machine learning? Uh, when I read your you know, description of some of the things we wanted to talk about, uh, is that what they call real estate machine learning? So I would say yes and no. There are parts okay. of that that are definitely machine learning. And in our world, that's essentially categorizing the okay. responses that the lead is saying into certain data points. So if a okay. lead says, hey, I'm looking for a two-bed, two-bath home in Des Moines, Iowa, our product would classify that as buying home, beds equals two, baths equals two, location uh -huh. equals Des Moines. For, but if a lead said something like, hey, um, you know, my approximate credit score is 700. What can I do for financing? We'd categorize that as tell credit score, credit score equals 750 and ask about financing, for example. So that's the machine learning part where we're tagging. We have historically tagged upwards of 10 million, 10 million individual messages by humans that are labeling basically messages from a lead yeah. into structured data, some, some common classification of things that leads are saying. And then our product has kind of pre-built responses that it will say based on how that message was categorized. I was just going to ask that. It, so it seems like it just, uh, can I say it's pre-programmed to, to anticipate what a, a buyer or seller might ask? Not necessarily ask, but it's pre-programmed to account for any number of things that they might ask at any time gotcha. with, with certain responses that can be customized. So there's a, there's a whole world in the, uh, there's a whole kind of vein 
in the world of machine learning yeah. that is called generative AI, which is something that we actually don't believe in at this time. Okay. And that is, um, that is commonly used for AI or conversational AI or chatbots that you want to basically think of its reply. You want to make it create its own reply on the fly based on a bunch of data. You never know what it'll actually say next. Right. And that's scary. There's been a lot of really horrible examples of that and gone wrong. There was one bot out there that Twitter made called Tay. Um, this was like two or three years ago. Right. It was built like that and it became a racist, terrible person on Twitter and just huge, oh, terrible things back and they had to shut it down. So there's a lot of bad history behind generative AI. Yeah. It's just not fully understood or researched well enough yet. In theory, that's kind of how a lot of people think about machine learning mystically as it's this box that's just going to think of replies on its own. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the case at all. Right. So is, is the future of investing for real estate is through algorithms? And if so, can you explain a little bit more about that? Uh, because uh, for us, we're looking for, like I said, for sale by owner or mm -hmm. distressed properties. Um, you know, we look online, we look through whatever, you know, um, data is given to us. If you could explain more about algorithms and, and real estate, if my question made any sense at all. Yeah, but I think there's, I'll kind of answer it in terms of like, there's a different, there's a bunch of different areas of what I'll call artificial intelligence. Okay. And the way that our machine learning engineer, uh, his name is Pete, and he is a co-PhD in math and stats who studied computational theory. So he knows his stuff in this right. world. And he defines AI as pretty simply something that a human used to do that a computer now does. Mm -hmm. So that could be a whole bunch of different things. Um, one example is like predictive analytics. Zillow, the Zestimate is a great, great with asterisks. Because I know some people- We're going to put a few asterisks on yeah, it, right? <laughs> but it's, a, it's a solid example of what predictive analytics can do. It, Okay. takes a bunch of data points and says, based on all these things, it's going to be worth this. Very common example of predictive analytics. There's natural language processing, which is what we use for our conversational AI. There's mm. computer vision, which is machine learning to, you know, look at pictures and identify what's in pictures or drive self, uh, self-driving cars, things like that. Right. Those are a few of the examples. So I would say that like in terms of using different algorithms to help with investing it would depend exactly on what you want to do if your idea is you want to just simply like give someone an estimate on the property that you might buy it for that would be an example of predictive analytics not too you know dissimilar to zillow zestimate for example and that's kind yeah. of been done that's kind right. of been done a bunch of times by a bunch of companies yeah one thing that's really interesting that i've seen the real estate machine learning world. And I always forget the name of this company and I'll think about it. I'll think of it at some point, but um, they basically kind of map a lot of a city um, or, right. oh, it's, I think it's called City Builder, City Builder, I think. Okay. And they basically, I think they layer in a bunch of public record data, MLS data, a bunch of other data and say, what is the best and highest potential use of this property, this particular parcel? And they predict what, you know, what 
what type of ROI, what type of outcome could actually come from a change in zoning or a, a new development or something in this area. So they're trying to like predict city building in a way and how it might, you know, turn out to investors, for example, who want to buy some of those lots or properties. I think that's a really creative example of that is, yeah. Of one. I think that I think the the company's name is City Builder. Don't quote me on that, but that's the that's the one that's coming to mind. So are we seeing um using the the type of data that you're talking about, AI, machine learning, algorithms, is that the wave of the future for real estate now? Or is, I mean, is it more relevant now than it was five, 10 years ago um, of what you're seeing or maybe conversations that you're having with uh, other uh, people about this? Yeah, yeah, I would say, um, yeah, I would say that a lot, I, th- I would say that AI has come a long way in the, in the, in the recent years. I think it, when we launched structurally, we were kind of at the the, the top of the hype curve, hype yeah. curve of AI. And then if you follow kind of, I forget what chart this is called, but then it went into the trough of dis- disillusionment where everyone was like, eh, AI isn't so great. It's not doing exactly what I want. And then it kind of comes up again to like level out. I think we're right. there. We're there again, where AI, we've been through the hype cycle of AI. And we're at a point where people believe it, they understand it, they trust it. Um, I think we have to still be careful as an industry to not overhype it for sure. Right. We've kind of been there, done that. Um, so as long as we're really dis- really succinct, really direct, and really honest about what AI can and can't do, one of the things I like to say on every podcast that I like to dispel as a theme is AI is not self-learning. That is not a phrase that makes any sense whatsoever. I hear it all the time. Even if the AI appears as though it is learning on its own, right. it, is, it has historically been trained by a bunch of humans who labeled a bunch of data. It's right. just you didn't see that part. And typically with AI applications, you never see that part. So it appears as though it's learning on its own, but it never really is. There's always a human in the loop, constantly training data. Data is the oil that makes machine learning go. No, I love that. I, I, and I'm glad you explained it that way because I think the, the biggest thing for like some of my friends that are in the business, you know, real estate and they want to invest uh, outside of New York where I'm from. And I don't know if you've been here, Nate, but every um, most of the house prices look like phone numbers. Uh, <laughs> and so I this with this type of of software that you guys have will come into play for investors that are looking to invest outside to get the data that they need. Like, hey, is this a good place to invest? Uh, What are the price points that, you know, we can afford? Um, Did my question make any sense at all? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't think that necessarily our product is the best for understanding that type of stuff. What it could do is kind of automate how you reach out to perspective and, um, buyers. It can help yes. you okay. um, farming in a way, if you will. Yes. Uh, so if you want to farm a neighborhood and reach out to see who's interested in possibly selling and appending that with other data, like stuff from City Builder, for example, right. um, to say like, you know, here's what could happen in your in your market. Here's what your property could be valued at. Is that something you'd be interested in ever or what, what have you? 
um, that is that is something that you can run through a product like ours. No, that would be perfect, I think, um, because you want to get a feel uh, for a neighborhood and whether, you know, if the pricing is right or if the seller is willing to sell and you have that type of data available, I think that's, that'll work just as fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess the next step for us would be obviously to get boots on the ground in that area so they can come see the place and say, hey, you know what, this is a good place. I definitely go for it. Um, can we, or can AI or machine learning, can it make predictions? I think, and you touched base on this. Can you make predictions in the market uh, going forward? You know, whether it's, whether it's, um, are we going to see another, you know, 5% uh, house value go up or 20%? Um, yeah. Is that possible making that yeah. type of prediction? Yeah, not with a product like ours, but absolutely with products. Again, I keep kind of bringing them up, but like City Builder, they, okay. they have the ability to understand like where the best development opportunities are for different cities. And then there's, um, you know, again, I hate to bring up the Z word Zillow, but like they have <laughs> the ability to historically map and I think even today predict like the the future potential price based on typical appreciation in the area of of your property. Um, so it's not terribly challenging. I say that. And then I think companies like Zillow ran into a lot of issues where they couldn't predict it very well. They were trying to buy houses at scale and, okay. you know, flip them. But the problem they had was they could never really estimate what it would sell for in a very accurate way. And they would. Oh yeah. They took a bath and yeah. uh, that part of, they called it what I buying. Yeah. I remember yeah. I did a, a show on that because I read some articles. Yeah. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's tricky. I think it's tricky for even the biggest companies in the world, like Zillow to try and predict the value of any asset, especially real estate that is influenced by so many different micro and macro economic impacts, you know, like, yeah. They picked a funny time to launch a new huge initiative in a pandemic where things were changing drastically, right? So yeah. it's like we've never seen that type of thing before. So their models probably were just going haywire. I remember I saw uh, an article, I don't know if it was two, three years ago, maybe longer, where some, uh, I think it was a seller. Um, I don't know if it was a seller or a buyer, and hopefully I'm not misquoted here, but I think it might've been a seller. Uh, the price on Zillow might have been, let's say, three fifty. I'm just throwing a number at you, but yeah. nobody was offering more than three twenty, three ten, whatever it was. And they sued Zillow again. If I got it wrong, I apologize. You know, um, but it's because it was through this estimate um, that this seller or or again buyer went with, and you know they were completely wrong. And again, they sued Zillow. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I never found out what happened with that case. And again, hopefully, I'm you know. Um, I'm not spinning in the wind here, but I can see where what you're saying, um, you know, you, you're making a prediction that how high the house is going to go in value, you know, whether it's six months a year, you know, I, I'm, I'm hearing anywhere from 20, another 20% gain in house value in the next two to three years, then I'm seeing oh, by the end of this year, early next year, there's going to be a, a price correction. So you don't know what to predict, right? So um, personal computers. Uh, are personal personal computers um, again? If my question makes sense, 
uh, ready for machine learning? If so, what's needed to move forward? What what will we need if I wanted to you know use AI? You know, uh, machine learning. You know, again, this is all new to me. So, if my questions are up and down, please please send my apologies. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a fair question. Uh, we use we have historically used our own uh, pre our own custom built machine for right. machine learning. Um, it basically had the same graphics cards as a lot of gaming computers does. That's kind of a funny fact, funny known, unknown, kind of known fact in the machine learning space is a lot of the super gaming computers are actually great for machine learning because right. they <laughs> use the same things. Yeah. Um, but we ended up pretty quickly. It was great for um, proof of concept type stuff. Right. right. But we went to the cloud and the cloud is someone else's computer and they have bigger Amazon, Google, and other companies have way bigger, powerful, more powerful computers than ours. So it made sense yeah. to eventually do all of our modeling, machine learning training of our models in the cloud on basically Google's or Amazon's computers. <laughs> wow. You know, and it's funny because we always hear about Amazon, Google, and how big they are and all that. But I think given a chance with uh, structurally, uh, it could work as well just for people like us, people like myself, mm -hmm. because uh, we don't know if we want to always go to Google and Amazon, if that makes sense. You know, we want to uh, try something that might be uh, suited for us, if, again, if that makes yeah. sense at all. Yeah, absolutely. We've trained a lot of our models specifically for the property space, prop right. leasing, investing, mortgage, whatever, what have you. And, you know, a lot, there's a lot of different chatbot builders out there by like mm. Google and Facebook and others. And they're, they're trained on the world of data. They're trained on very broad stroke, tons of data, but not very specific data. And I think that's one thing that is really interesting about narrow kind of niche mm -hmm. um, AI companies is they take a really laser focused approach on we're going to have really strong conversations in this space and be really good at it and have a ton of training data on it that Google and Facebook has a hard time getting their hands on because it's so because it's so niche. Yeah, I, I you know this to me this is exciting. This is something different. Um, where you know you have these conversations and when and tell me a little bit more about how did 99.9% .9 of people uh, thought they were talking to a human if you could yeah. talk more about that because that was great when I read yeah. that <laughs> yeah absolutely um, so we have through our product we have the what's really interesting is we have the ability to granularly see what people are saying in a conversation so historically if you, if like, so we've had about 6 million conversations with leads. Right. Historically, that was basically all the data that was in those conversations was locked in those conversations. You could never write software to say like, tell me of all those 6 million conversations, how many people are about to have a kid or mention they're having a new child. Um, they're not approved for financing and they are ready to sell in the next three months. Right. How would you ever do that? But with AI, because we're labeling every single message, basically, we can actually write searches to tell us, okay, show me all the leads that match that criteria. And the same is true for, we'll call it like uh, bad conversations yeah. where a lead says something which happens common, you know, not too commonly, 0.1% yeah. of the time in our product where people say like, hey, are you a robot? Uh, 
are you a human? What are you? It's kind of a weird conversation. Mm. You know, sometimes it happens. We're not perfect, but we actually have a label for that. That's called ask if human. And we have a response that says, oh, I'm the digital assistant here for XYZ company, whatever. And then usually people are like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, sorry for asking. Uh, you know, it's back to the conversation. But then on the back end, we can go and write searches to say, show me all the people who asked if we were human. And that's where that number comes from. Right. Obviously, we're trying to get that number as small as possible. And we're really happy where it's with where it's at now with 99.9%. Yeah. Our goal is 99.9999%. <laughs> yeah, I got you. When did yeah. you guys, um, when did you form the company? When did you guys, uh, uh, f- yeah. um, what was, when was the founding of it? It was about five years ago. Okay. Right when we graduated, me and Andrew graduated from school. <laughs> That's amazing. So in the five years that you've been in business, I mean, my God, the technology, the AI, you, I mean, you must have saw it from, I'm not saying the beginning, but pretty much it's, it's just growing, uh, my God, what, on a hourly basis? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I think there's some really fun tech, tech laws. If you're interested, like Moore's, Moore's law, which says something like every year, two years, the number of semiconductors or something in a chip in a computer chip doubles and that's basically saying at some point in our lifetime you know computer chips are going to be microscopic but equally as powerful as one of the most powerful computers today and it's not a theory it's actually happening like moore's law is tracked pretty religiously and we're on track with it actually happening so i think that's been interesting to see just like the power of computers advancing in our time but then also AI has advanced quite a bit. Um, there's really amazing bleeding edge research companies in AI. One of my favorite is OpenAI, which is a former Elon Musk company. Um, uh, okay. And they just recently launched a new, the world's largest uh, natural language processing model called yeah. G- GPT-3. If you're really interested in reading what that is, it's basically a model trained on the entire as much of the internet as they could scrape all of the words and its goal is to basically predict it can write books for you if you say hey write me a children's book it'll write a children's book for you um it's just like crazy the amount of things that it can do anybody could be an author down the road (laughs) yep exactly and there are a lot of companies that are taking advantage of that type of tool to help with like writing blogs, writing emails, yeah. writing legal contracts, things like that. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. 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 Oh, that'd be amazing. So I think, so even in my lifetime, I think in starting structurally, they went from GPT-1, GPT-2 to GPT-3. I don't even know what the next ones are going to look like. They're going to be insane. <laughs> no, I, I definitely believe that. So what's next for you and, and the company? What are you guys looking to do in the next three to six months? I mean, I know it's hard to predict, but if you had any goals going forward. Yeah, I think from a tech perspective, one of my, one, why I wake up in the morning for structurally is kind of related to one stat. So there's a, there's a, a, uh, survey out there, research out there by salesforce.com, yeah. um, biggest CRM in the world. They know salespeople better than anyone knows salespeople. And they have done research to say salespeople spend one third of their time actually selling. So they spend two thirds of their time not selling. They're doing things like chasing leads, 
yeah. scheduling appointments, updating their CRM, basically non-commission generating activities. So my goal and our goal at Structurally is to flip that. I was going to say, you read my mind. I say, I guess you want to flip it. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So whatever we can do to help make salespeople, whatever industry, more effective, more efficient, more, give them more opportunity to close deals since salespeople work on commission. That's what we right. want them doing. It's closing. Um, we want to do that. So we're obviously trying to take care as much of as, as we can, qualifying leads for you, teeing them up on a silver platter. But then there's also other things we can do. Like we can maybe leverage things like GPT-3 to write your emails, to write your scripts, to write your sales copy, to write a bunch of stuff for you so you don't have to do that. It's basically our goal to just flip that. Yeah, I mean, it's basically outsourcing that to you guys, um, which is great because, you know, and I'm pretty sure you know this, it's, it's you work on your core, uh, I guess, core genius, whether it's, you know, yeah. being out there talking to people instead of writing a blog and sending emails, you have uh, structurally to do that. Um, first of all, Nate, thank you so much for being on Peter Peer Real Estate Show. Um, this was amazing. Uh, any books you would like to recommend? If you have one in you that you wrote, please say so, or if not, you got to write one. Yeah. So oddly enough, even though these are all books behind me, I actually don't really like to read. These are all for display only. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so I'm not a huge reader. I like to read blogs in okay. short, short things like tweets and stuff. Cause once I kind of read a book, I just, I like the few bits of it that are important, but a lot of it is kind of a waste of time in my opinion. But I, would say I agree. I would say about 80% of a year, it's just babble. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, let's so get to the Yeah. Gave up on it after a while. So no real good book, book recommendations. Uh, some of the things that I like to read in terms of like software are, there's, there's I don't know if it's really interesting, but there's like uh, Joel on software. He's a form, I think he's a former tech exec who talks a lot about management. Joel software. on software? Joel, Joel okay. on software, I think. Um, and then there's another much more specific one related to software as a service businesses, which is what we are, SaaS businesses, but really great management techniques. Again, um, the, the, the blog or entity is called Saster, S-A-A-S-T-R, and it's run by a guy named Jason Lemkin, Okay, sold his company to Adobe. So he, he definitely knows his stuff. He has great management techniques and styles as well so it's not just related to software companies it's really more broad if you want to if you want to look at it that way yeah no thanks i'll definitely put that on the show notes and if somebody want to get in contact with you nate what's the best way yeah so i always like to put my money where my mouth is <laughs> um, i always want people to try the ai themselves okay and have a conversation with it so go to testyouraiassistant.com testyouraiassistant.com Fill out the form there. That's okay. a great way to get in touch with us, first of all, since we'll get your contact info that way, but you'll be responded to by our AI. And I always like to say this with one piece of caution, try and break it, have a tough conversation, but within a relative amount of reason. Sometimes when I give this link, people will say things like, you know, hey, what, when are we going to find aliens and what language do they speak? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. We'll have a response for that and we'll have a conversation. It's just like try and be a little bit like a lead. Definitely have a hard conversation, but one within reason. Okay. So it's test your AI um, 
assistant.com. Okay, testyouraiassistant.com. That's great. I'll definitely put that on the show notes. And Nate, again, thank you so much for being on Peer to Peer Real Estate Show. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, William. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Thanks. Well, everyone, that was Nate Jones, and you can find him at Structurally.com. That's Structurally.com. Nate, thank you so much for being on Peer-to-Peer Real Estate Show. Really appreciate it. You can find me at Peer-to-PeerRealEstate.com. That's Peer-to-Peer-Realestate.com. Check out our past shows and check out our blog. Also, when you get a chance, please go to Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe, leave a review, tell us how we can make this show better. And before I go, guys, there's a couple more things. Do not give up on your dreams. Fight for it, guard it, protect it. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. And I really believe if you keep the momentum going, good things will happen. On behalf of Peter Pay Real Estate, I'm William Morales. Until next time, thanks, everybody. Have a great day, and please stay safe. Bye.